I had a million dollars. Hot dog! I'm Joel Volk, and welcome to Small BizCast, where twice a month I explore the lives of small business owners to dig a bit deeper and expose strengths, weaknesses, ideas, and challenges, with blemishes and all. Mike Fox of Eminem Paper is a veteran in managing change. Ironically, it's his products which stayed the same, but in Mike's 30-plus years, he's had to reinvent and reimagine his company many, many times. As you listen to this interview, as a small business person, you will find comfort knowing that you are not alone. Hopefully, you'll learn something while finding inspiration and ideas from the people I introduce you to, like Mike. Hopefully, you'll laugh a little too. Hot dog, it's a wonderful life. This is a really big joy for me because I have known this guy, what would you say, 25 years? I would say 25 years. 25 years. Michael Andrew Fox was born in June 9th, 1961. He's known professionally as Michael J. Fox. He's a Canadian-American retired actor, author, film producer, activist, beginning his career in the 70s. He rose to prominence portraying Alex P. Keaton on the NBC sitcom Family Ties. Welcome, Michael. You got the wrong Michael Fox here. What? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm Michael H. Fox, not Michael J. Fox. I've known you 25 years. You've never told me that. <laughs> you, <laughs> you thought I was the actor all these years. Oh, okay. This sorry. is actually Michael Fox. He sells paper for Eminem Paper. <laughs> See, that's a, quite the introduction. He sells paper for Eminem Paper. Thank you. <laughs> so Mike Fox, he is the owner, the visionary. He's the guy that created a very important company that supported businesses for many, many years, over 30 years, I think 38 years. We're at 36 right 36 now. 36 years. It is called Eminem Paper. It's in Van Nuys, California. He supports businesses all over Southern California for not just paper for their printers and copiers, but toners and also does PPE and other types of office support. And he and I have spent many years working kind of in concert with each other. And for about 10 years, I was his roommate. He was my landlord in his business. The reason I wanted to bring Michael on is because he has the best ability I've ever seen to take challenges and adversity and pivot it into a successful formula. And that's one reason why he's been successful in business all these years, but it's also kind of a way of life. And I just have always admired Mike and uh, his ability. Welcome, Mike. Thank you for coming on Small BizCast. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction. Can't you just be Alex P. Keaton for just a minute? Sure, sure. Why not? Can you give me a description of what you bring to the table when it comes to running your business? Starting out being a micromanager, not of other people as, as much as just myself and having my hands in everything. As the business has grown, to be able to pull away from that and let other people kind of be responsible for certain duties. Something I struggle with, I still struggle with not being involved in every facet. Having my hands in everything has also allowed me to be just on top of everything and kind of being aware of everything that's going on as far as the business, as far as, as far as my customers, as far as just being more aware and not so kind of detached. I was thinking back about when I first met you in the office automation business, I was always running through or into people that sold similar things and wanted to refer business to us. And sometimes they wanted money for referring business to us. Do you remember this, Mike? Yes, I and do. So there was a, a sales rep. He was a kind of a nice door-to-door -door salesman type guy. And he came to me out of the blue and said that he had customers he wanted to refer me and see if I would pay him for, for sending business my way, which, you know, I, I was always open to that type of thing, but I always wanted to make sure it was on the up and up. And uh, so this guy was, this guy happened to work for Mike's company and Paul, he's a good guy. He referred a couple of bits of business to me, but I felt funny because I wasn't dealing with the owner and I wanted to make sure that he wasn't breaking some rule. And so I just called Mike and reached out to him to say, this is what's happening. And Mike, professional that he is, completely blew me off. He didn't want to talk to me 
He didn't return my call. Maybe you returned my call, but you were so standoffish. You had no trust in this, in me at all. Remember that? Yes, I had no trust <laughs> in sharing anything with my customers with anyone. I was very paranoid and very um, protective of my customer base. As, as well, you should be, you know, you, you, like what he was doing was a good idea for him, but probably not a good idea for Mike, especially in a vacuum. So what I did is I, I reached out to Mike and kind of forced myself into his office one day and we were talking and I told him that my allegiance really was to him, not to the other person. And I wanted to, you know, maybe do the same arrangement, make sure that he knew about it. And still, Mike still didn't trust me, by the way. Do you remember that? I still, to this day, am <laughs> to refer business and has nothing to do with you. It has to do with me. Yeah. And it probably, you know, you know, just as you mentioned my strong points, that's one of your strong points is being able to network. And I'm, I've never been that type of guy. I've networked with my customer um, and never expanded beyond that. Um, I even felt bad asking them for a referral where that's something that comes very natural for other people. It does not come natural for me. Feel uh, like you're imposing upon them to ask for a referral? Absolutely. absolutely. Do, you, do you push through that or do you just I have, There's quite a few things I have not pushed through in the last 36 years of business. And definitely that's one of them. Yes. And yet you stay in business all this time. Can you believe it? The reason I bring up the early days of our relationship is that Mike and I really didn't know each other that well. We went to lunch once or twice. And then one day I stopped by Mike's place or I was, he called me up upset because this is what happened. I think in a one week period, am I right? You probably wife, very, very close. Your wife left you, your father <laughs> passed away and your yeah. employees staged a coup and tried to steal all your business away from you. Pretty much. That's, that's how it happened. Yeah. Remember that? By the way, Mike's yeah. a father of four and they were all young kids at that time. So in addition to those horrible challenges, he was also being Mr. Mom to those kids. And so, and I watched with pretty much a front row view of Mike, just deal with, just deal with it. I remember him, he immediately went into communication with his customer mode. He immediately started, he, he was prepared. You were prepared, Mike. And I remember being in awe because all I could do is put myself in your shoes and thinking I would be out of business. There's no, I, I would not have had the, the mechanisms in place, the wherewithal, the, the state of mind to do to do that, to do what you did on a, comp on, a, on a comprehensive and concerted way to save your business during the most challenging time. And that's when I knew I was, I had a special friend in you. Well, thank you. And for me, it's always been, you know, the, the more the challenge, the more um, I just step up to the plate. I kind of thrive on that, unfortunately, even when it's not all positive stuff. Um, but I've always been able to kind of Look at the glasses half full rather than half empty. And and yeah, I've always felt taking action is a lot better than crying over spilled milk. Because um, there's no, what's the, what's the use? And yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I'm not even aware I'm doing it. And you've been one to point it out to me over and over again. How, yep, here you are, challenged again, roll up your sleeve, you just take care of business. Yeah. Um, and I that's one of my strong points is being able to, to take care of that where I'm not able to, push through asking the customer for a referral. You know, yeah. Seemingly, by the way, seemingly without pause, S seemingly you just, there doesn't seem to be much time in between disruption and, and working towards a solution. And, um, and, and yet you do things well, you don't, it's not like you do them haphazard, half, you know, half ass or anything. You're, you always seem to do, you know, do them well. What prompted me to put you on the podcast had more to do with how you dealt with uh, with COVID. I just remember, 
you know, our, our industry shut, you know, our industry was destroyed by what, 75, 80% of people printed fewer pages by about 80%, like a snap of the finger. Just like the lights. entire business is about supplying what happens when you push the green button on a machine with a piece of paper coming out. That's what Mike's whole business is. It's toner and paper. And that went, had to have dropped to probably 80, 90% overnight, right? Yes, it did. Yeah. Yeah. But once again, you know, I was in you know, a unique position. I had a good relationship with my suppliers. My suppliers were also in the same situation I were. They didn't have any paper business and they were looking to see, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, persevere through this? When they came to me with opportunities, rather than saying no, I kind of said, well, this is what I got to do. I did it. And that was going into the personal protection equipment, the PPE stuff. And uh, that was a risk. I mean, all of a sudden, rather than having things bought on terms, I had to pay COD, not just for, you know, a box of masks, but you had to buy a pallet. And at the time they were very expensive. So I was fronting a lot of money with, you know, a lot of unknown, but once again, customers were there, went out, reached out to them. And fortunately, you know, I had several that were able to buy a substantial supply to, you know, help me out and keep me going. So the, the 10 years or so that we were there, I remember having a couple of arguments with you. Do you remember those? Uh, vaguely. But well, just, they were always over nothing or sub or, or stylish things, style based things, nothing over substance, but we, every once in a while, we would just butt heads. One thing I noticed is your mind works very, very quickly to the point where before I had a chance to even give you my argument, you would tell me what I was about to say. And you were always like, can I confide in you? Tell you the secret, even though I denied it at the time, you were right. <laughs> you, always, <laughs> you always knew. Well, it was so irritating. But it was also demonstrated a sharpness to your mind and wit that I think is part of the part of the tools you use to draw on when things aren't going all that well. Correct. Yes. And, but it also can work not in my favor as well. You know, over the years, I've tried to be a better listener rather than a finisher of people's sentences. Cause uh, if you want to piss off people, I found out over the years is finish their sentences over and over again. You've been very patient, but other people not as patient. Thank you for that. (laughs) We're going to take a short break and be right back. Small BizCast is proud to support Fit for the Cause. Fit for the Cause is the leading organization in fitness for low-income and special needs communities. Founded in response to the national health crises, Fit for the Cause has used licensed and COVID-conscious trainers to keep their members active, even during the pandemic. Offering physical training, nutrition, and a variety of classes, members benefit from the same resources given to Special Olympic athletes. So stay active now by going to www.fitforthecause.org. That's fit, the numeral four, thecause.org. You may remember Janice Miller of Miller Haga Law Group from our episode, Saving Nigel in season one. Miller Haga supports businesses of all sizes from large to small. No matter what phase your business is in, from startup to wind down, Miller Haga Law Group acts as your innovative general counsel. Their experienced team of lawyers will keep the gears of your business turning. If you want to minimize your liability while maximizing your profits with competent and efficient counsel, contact MillerHaga.com for more information. That's MillerHaga, H-A-G-A.com. Document technology continues to be a challenge for businesses as they go back and forth from working remotely to working in-house. One of the challenges facing management is that documents need to be shared 
They also need to be secure. There's privacy issues, there's access issues. Those are the types of things that keep people up at night. Mercury Document Imaging has been solving problems like these since 1982. We are in the unique position to leverage our years of experience with our tremendous resources to solve this and other similar problems. We do it economically, more important, we do it efficiently. So if you have issues that you'd like us to help with, please call 818-782-1221 or go to mercurydoc.com, M-E-R-C-U-R-Y-D-O-C.com. You're listening to Small BizCast. I'm Joel Volk and I'm interviewing Mike Fox of M&M Paper. You stay positive and you have fun even when things aren't going all that well. Would you say that's a fair statement? I would say that, yes, I'm an optimistic guy. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I've always been that way. I mean, you know, I mean, that's the way my father was. My father was ran a business and, you know, in his business, he was in charge of a lot of people and always very optimistic, never was down about situations that came up. He just handled them. I think, you know, I carried that on through, you know, what I learned through him, you know, do the same thing. One of the things I thought I've always learned about you also is you're always extremely on top of your accounts receivable and your accounting, and you always knew exactly real time what your numbers were. The power of numbers for you were very important. Yeah, they're very important to me because that's once again, for me, is a sense of control. Is I, if I know that my numbers are looking good for the month, for the year, you know, for the decade, then I can kind of relax a little more where if I don't have that information, I don't do well with the unknown. Um, and I think maybe that's one of the reasons I kind of roll up my sleeves and just take care of things is because I don't want to be in the situation of not knowing. I'd rather know and be in control. So that's one of the reasons you see me kind of step up and just, what do I got to do to make this right type of thing? Yeah, you so, and I have had hundreds, probably hundreds of conversations during lunches that we go to where you would know to the penny what your gross profit was. I always had different numbers. I didn't always look at gross profit, but I always looked at AR. I always looked at, I always looked at my gross dollars, actually knowing that my margins might vary because the market changes, but the, well, you're, you don't your items are more commoditized and uh, more of more commodity type based items. And so you, for you was really important to keep your, your margins super. You were very keen. You're very focused on gross profit numbers at all times. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I knew, I mean, down to the line item and, you know, thank goodness for Excel because that's what allowed me to do that. But yeah, for me, you know, I wanted to see what I was making money on, what I wasn't making money on. Right. You know, at the end of the day, as long as the profit's there, you know, don't freak out that you just gave something away or you lost money on one item. It doesn't matter because overall, you're still hitting your GP numbers that you want to hit. That really came about for me. The numbers really being in control is after I had the coup of having people leave my business. I needed to know daily, am I going to make money? Am I going to survive this? So I think that's what kind of really was the catalyst for me to you know, really get on my numbers. And it's, it's kind of ironic because math and accounting was never my strong point. I definitely became a numbers guy and accounting guy. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've grown into. And yeah, if you saw my math scores and stuff, you <laughs> this kid's not going to be doing anything with numbers. Uh, so that definitely has turned around. So, so what made you start your business anyway? Well, I think part of it was uh, growing up in a family owned business. So I had always, Seeing my dad, my uncles, uh, they all worked for themselves. They worked for the family business. Um, that, what business was that? Tell us about it. That was um, manufacturing of floor wax, car wax, and furniture wax, a company called Tree Wax. 
that my grandfather started back in early 40s. And he did it by literally having, you know, my grandmother make the wax on the stove. And uh, he would go out and pedal it door to door and wax people's wood floors. Or in back then, they had brick patios, uh, these smooth cement patios in different colors, green, brick, um, all different colors. And he would go out there and polish their floors for them and got business. I think a family trade of ours is being entrepreneurs. So, but yeah. And then, you know, I worked after the company was sold. I didn't have a job. I thought I was going to inherit the business and be one of the key, you know, principles and that, that didn't materialize. So um, yeah, I was forced to go work for someone else. And every time I went to go work for someone else, I did a great job, but always quit. Always said, I, I want to do something else. I want to do something else. And then I just ended up with the office supply business, uh, was working for an office supply company. And once again, uh, you know, I asked, do you want me to run your business for you? And they said, no, we don't want you running. And I said, well, then I don't think I'm going to last here that long. And sure enough, I said, well, what can I sell? That would be a, a good item and that would be profitable and big numbers. And it started with copy paper. So literally did that, you know, delivered all myself, did all my own advertising, went out and threw flyers underneath high rise doors in the mornings, came back to my apartment, made calls. And finally, just built it up in that. So, but I think it's really important that in th those early days, because you only had so many hours a day, you also kept things very simple. If you weren't on Wilshire Boulevard or Ventura Boulevard, or you, you didn't sell to them, right? You would not. If someone someone was off your, you know, path of convenience, <laughs> you just wouldn't sell to them, right? It took you correct, a, right? correct. It, right. it was a very linear route, and yeah, I mean, I was originally it was over, you know, on the west side of L.A. and you know, if anyone was on Ventura Boulevard and Sino Sherman Oaks, no, I couldn't do that business because that was 20 minutes out, 20 minutes back. And that was 40 minutes of, a, you know, a six hour delivery day. And that, no, that, I can't do that. So was that hard to pass up business, though, when someone wanted to place an order and they were off your route? No, not initially. It wasn't because it really did not make any sense to me. The profit, no matter what the profit was, to drive beyond the linear route. And that's what I did. I, I literally would start in downtown L.A. and drive the Wilshire Corridor all the way to Santa Monica. And that was my that was my route. And then eventually, yeah, I took some business in West L.A. and Culver City. And then when I really got crazy, I went all the way down to LAX, <laughs> you know, and then once in a while, I would take an account that was just beyond downtown and go toward Dodger Stadium, you know, but that was that was a big deal. But I was only one person. So, um, you know, I wanted to I've always had the, the kiss method, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. And I've always tried to, you know, not work beyond five o'clock in the afternoon, not work weekends, my kind of how I've set up the business and uh, put the answering machine on it at uh, five o'clock and, and, you know, create a business that would, that can allow me some freedom and yeah. some, to do well, other things. Again, you're the father of four kids. So, and you were also, you know, the Cub Scout leader. And uh, I think you were the Girl Scout leader. I think you were, <laughs> I think Almost. you were, you yeah. were, you know, Mr. Mom, you know, in many ways you were Mr. Mom and, and, uh, and took that very seriously. And, uh, and it was clear. I, I met, again, I met you, I think, I think your youngest uh, 
child was about five or six when I, I met you and your family. And that was, uh, you know, it was pretty clear your kids came number one. It was admirable because you had a challenging business. Yeah, no. And I, I found that was another thing that kind of made me kind of step away from the business a little bit because I did choose to raise the kids more than run the business. By doing that, um, you know, I was out of the door every day by two o'clock. Yeah. Uh, Pick up your kids um, from school and do after. And, and initially that kind of beat me up and kind of, you know, I felt like, oh my gosh, you know, the business, the business, the business. And, you know, by allowing my staff to kind of run the business from two to five, Monday through Friday, it worked out fine. And yeah, I gave up a little bit of maybe um, growth and, but in the meantime, you know, I raised four kids and I'm pleased with that and I have no regrets. You know, it's really funny because over the years, you know, you and I have talked about it. Your kids had almost no interest at all in your business. I won't even say almost. They had no interest at all. In no your, interest. Right. But am I, I think I'm right that at least two of them are pretty entrepreneurial. Yes, that's right? true. Yeah. yeah. And one, one started a really interesting uh, business uh, that you wouldn't have thought he, he composts for restaurants, right? Restaurants and, and residential. Yeah. 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 And also going, starting his business, kind of going door to door, I think, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and your other son uh, has learned to monetize travel and uh, he writes a, a fantastic blog about travel called Halfway Anywhere. And if you Correct. Like, like travel and you like seeing amazing photography and clever writing, uh, it's a really great, I've sent many people to check it out. And, and he's, and he's surprisingly successful doing that. I say surprisingly, because if you can make a living uh, traveling and, and writing and writing about it, he's managed to do that and he has he yeah. has yeah. yeah yeah to me I, I measure their successes how much I don't have to spend on them so <laughs> in not having to spend anything on my kids anymore right. I've been very successful <laughs> yeah no but as a I think I think as a small business person one thing that I've learned in small business is that your personal life and your small business life they blend together and it's very hard to tell where one ends and one leaves off. A lot of small businesses, I mean, I'm t you know, especially like maybe first or second generation people, they'll end up taking their kids to work. I tell stories about my son having him, you know, you're waking him up on a summer morning because one of my drivers can't show up and I need someone to help deliver copiers and he just wants to enjoy his summer. And I drag his butt out of bed and he's kicking and screaming the whole day, not wanting to do it. Sometimes your personal life just kind of you know, overflows into your business life and, and vice versa. And, and um, you know, that's just the life of being a small business person. And you never know what lessons your kids will learn from your struggle. I think it's safe to say your kids have learned some very valuable lessons from watching you have that life work balance that you've always put them first. And I'm sure of that. I've, I've yeah, always, well, thank always you. Yeah. how you handle that as a single dad. They've definitely got that entrepreneurial still in them. You know, even my daughter has talked about, you know, creating this and doing that. And it's all making money at it. You know, I mean, when I told one of my friends that, yeah, I'm going to sell copy paper and we're going to deliver to the high rise buildings. And that's going to be my my I'm going to make a living out of that. He looked at me and says, you're out of your mind. You know, and then he came down and saw, you know, I had two kids at the time and, you know, a nice home in Manhattan Beach. And he's like you're really making a living out of selling paper, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it's, it's possible. You know, that is the American dream. I, you just flashed back to me, a, a, a friend of mine, when I told him I was going to uh, go into, go into the typewriter business, my father started and turned it into something. I remember him sitting me down the way you might sit down with a, uh, your friend who's marrying the wrong girl and say, you know, before you get married, 
<laughs> I really want to point this out to you. I remember, I remember him sitting me down going, Joel, you're going in the typewriter business? <laughs> I remember you know, convincing him that, no, it's just the stepping stone to other things. And and, and uh, I, I brought it up to him recently and we had a good laugh over it because he really he really did sit me down like I was jumping, <laughs> off, jumping off a cliff. <laughs> Well, that's why it's your dream. And that's why it was my dream, you know, I mean, and, um, you know, even when I started my business, the first two years, people would say, what do you do? I go, I'm attempting to try to start a paper business. I, I never said I had a paper business, you know, even though I was making money, it was like, no, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I can't call this a business. So at what point did you think you had a business? I think it was, uh, two years in. And did you have employees and trucks? And yeah, that was the thing is that I finally was able to hire, you know, a driver rather than myself. And I had a person in the office helping me do the invoicing and I could focus more on just doing the sales and, and going out and kind of, you know, just having relationships with my existing accounts. Um, So you had your business before the big box stores like Office Depot and so on and well into them. How did that change how you did business and how did you handle the objection of somebody saying, I buy mine from one of those big box stores? Yeah, well, I think it came down to service, you know, and the the personal rapport is that I was not just, they weren't just a customer number to me. They were, you know, they knew me. They knew, you know, they saw pictures of my kids. I knew their kids. You know, I mean, you know, you want to talk about not asking for referrals. I didn't do that, but I definitely connected with my customers. I knew them all on a personal basis. You know, even to this day, I have customers that bought from me 36 years ago and they're still buying from me and they're retiring now. And it's just crazy that they've stuck with me all these years. And it's because, you know, we had this connection, you know, way back when and it's 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 lasted a you know a whole business lifetime do you have any secrets that you would tell the young kids out there that want to get started what advice would you give them if you're renting buy don't rent that would be the key big big thing although it's very you know at the time i thought it was impossible to to buy a building rather than pay rent on a building but if, if if i knew now what i knew then or vice versa i would definitely whatever it takes to, to own the, the property you're, you're renting as opposed to, that's the big thing um and then the other thing is you know I, it still comes down to just having relationships i think you know everything is still Instagram and emails and all that. But even that you can personalize, you know, picking up the phone and saying thank you to a customer, you know, that's, you know, they still like that. They still like hearing from you. They still um, like that one-on-one. I think as we get more and more into the technological, you know, environment, that still is still, it's the, it's the human contact and being able to, you know, I appreciate your business. You know, so I want to point out, I want to point out that, 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 um, as Mike's saying that, it, it makes him seem like he's got a, still a very small business. And it isn't a gigantic business, but he serves thousands of, of customers, right? I mean, you have a significantly sized volume that you do. This, it's, being Having that personal touch has not hindered your ability to grow your business. No. As a matter of fact, I think they still think they're the only customer of mine. So, they don't know how big I am, how small I am. That's my job, is to, to be the person that they kind of connect with, that they know that, wow, I'm talking to the owner of the company. I mean, you know, I'm not just talking, you know, and they can talk to, you know, my staff as well, but they know they can always talk to me. So, you know, they, I mean, even now I have people call and they go, you don't screen your calls. I go, no, no, no. You know, half the time I'm still picking up the phone, you know, but 
but yeah, no, I've, I've never, I don't like, you know, having someone call in that wants to speak to me and, and then they, they know who was calling and they go, Oh, he's on the other line. It's right. You know, I can just say he's busy or he's not. That was always my pet peeve too. If my staff that doesn't quite get the, the nuance of it, I, if someone would say, is Joel there? I want them to say yes or no, he's there. And then ask who they are, not ask who they are and then tell right. them. Here or not. Yeah. And it used to be a constant struggle because uh, First of all, even if someone's a sales rep trying to sell me, I can say no quickly and politely. I can be constructive in getting off the phone. And secondly, sometimes those people have businesses and they might end up being my customer anyway. So if you bond with them, you can. there's an opportunity there to talk to somebody. So I never wanted to be screened, but I no. know plenty of people that you know, screening oh, yeah. is a very important part of how they get their job done. Well, and then what drives me nuts is someone will screen and go, mass who's calling? You go tell them it's Michael Fox. And then they pick up the phone. They go, "Hi!" And they don't. They don't say, "Hi, Mike." They already know it's me. Right. You know, it's like, well, why did you ask who it was if you're not going to tell them who I am? So I don't have to introduce myself again. You know, it's you know right. that, and that just shows. You know, that's the part of that customer service that gets down to those little nuances of being able to just. And customers get it. Customers get that. Wow. He just picked up the phone. I'll add to that. I would have people that would call up with technical problems, tell their whole story to the first person they speak to, that's not the person they could help them. And then the next person would pick up and we always wanted to know the story. So now you want to pick up and say, Hey, I understand your doohickey's not, you know, doing what's supposed to do. And that takes away the anxiety from calling versus having to repeat yourself. And we've all done that when we called, you know, some of our service providers and they just are not conveying the information. By the time the third person talks to you, you're angry at them. You, you, you're, you're, you're really, you know, you have anxiety and you're upset why put the customer through that and create that negativity when really all you can do is help them and make sure take it, move the ball a little bit further up the line. It's a very simple little trick that makes everybody happy. Yes. Yeah. But that's uh, all those little things that, you know, you said, you know, what would you tell someone that's starting a business is be personable, be honest, be true. And, and, you know, for me, and this is something I'm not be a better listener. Um, you know, I still with my customers will finish their sentences and, I have customers say, can I just finish what I want to say to you? And, you know, now I'm able to go, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. Absolutely. You know, and I mean, I still do it, but that's important to be able to let, you know, let them tell tell you what they were in their words and then fixing it for them. Like what I always do is fixing it for them. You are so, a fixer. That's yeah. A, yeah. Middle, middle child thing, right? Absolutely. That's it. <laughs> So uh, what what do you think is more important when it comes to uh, building your business, being patient or being positive? Ooh, oh, I think it's it's a it's both those things. I don't I don't think you can choose one over the other. I think patience is huge. Positive is absolutely. I mean, taking my business where it is today, if I didn't have a positive attitude that it's going to work out. I have to say 50-50. I couldn't choose one over the other. I think Which you're is doing a disservice. You haven't helped me any by saying 50-50, but that's okay. Sorry. That's all right. What do you think is more important that you present, that you're prepared for a problem or that you are open-minded to a new way of doing things? Well, I think being open-minded to being able to do things is is the way to go. I'm and being prepared, I don't know if being prepared for me, being prepared is being open to whatever needs to be done as opposed to it has to be done this way. This is the only, 
solution. Definitely the second over the first. What about asking for help? Where is asking for help in terms of the hierarchy of what's important? Asking for help in what regard? I'm not following. When you need advice, when you need direction, when you feel like, you know, you've got three hours left in your day because you, you got to pick up your kids and the customer has a problem and the and the bank has deposit has to be made and the truck delivery is coming. And, you know, that's the life of a small business person. When do you, at what you point, at what point is it okay? Do, I mean, do you, Mike Fox, not the actor, but the businessman, when do you, when are you able to finally ask for help? That's hard. It's always been hard for me. Once again, you know, wanting to raise the kids more than run the business uh, forced me to ask for help. And for me, it's always been, yes, it gets to that critical point where I'm almost forced to ask for help as opposed to having the wherewithal to say, okay, you're going to end up here. So ask for help now. Um, I do better in crisis than in, uh, although I do believe in, you know, doing things preventively too. Um, but I do work well in crisis. I, I know you believe, believe in doing things preventatively. I've seen you have to rely on that to succeed. And that that's honestly where I first became impressed with you. Going back to the very beginning of our dialogue, that's where I first became impressed with you, realizing that had I been in the same boat, I'd be, uh, you know, that'd be it for me. I've seen other people, though, in situations, and I, I look at their situation, and I go, I would have, I would have thrown in the towel. So I, you know, you know, it's it's when you're in the thick of it, it's different than standing on the sideline and saying, wow, that would be almost impossible for me to get through. Right. So one thing I'm positive about is that uh, I'm a better business person because I've been associated with you all these years. That's well, that's a hundred percent true. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons you and I have had our butting of the heads is because I have a hard time having someone give me advice and you've been that type of person. <laughs> Whether and you wanted been, it or not. <laughs> well, and it's been good advice, but it's very hard for me here, but I'm glad that we've been able to kind of get through that as opposed to, I'm never going to listen to that SOB again, you know, type of thing. Yeah. So it's been beneficial. I mean, as I said, you're very good with the networking, you know, connecting with people and I'm more of, I can do all that stuff, but I do it in the, in the background. Um, I, I know how to send the, the right letter out at a perfect time. And you, you know how to do that as well, but you didn't calculate it three, three, four steps ahead. Of, and, <laughs> and that's just my mind. How it works is that I'm always, you know, five steps, you know, ahead of everyone else. And that, that helps. And that's a good thing. And sometimes it's not a good thing. Can you think of any events in your business history that set you in a trajectory that you didn't expect? Huh. Uh, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've taken my business from, you know, uh, logistics of warehouse and trucks and drivers. And uh, we are now moving toward because we don't have enough business to, you know, maintain the trucks and the warehouse and the inventory it just isn't there that we're now reinventing ourselves and becoming more of a broker and utilizing our distributor as my logistics in my, uh, my warehouse and, and my drive as my driver. And I never thought I could go that direction. I always thought I needed to be the one delivering it. I have to be the one in control. The customer has to see my name on their shirt and, with the pandemic, that's not the case. And, uh, you know, here I am able to survive through all this by, once again, you know, downsizing, 
brokering, sending out emails to all my customers, calling them all, explaining what's going on and getting their support as opposed to, you know, them looking at me like, well, why would I buy from you if I could just buy from them directly, you know? And no one's saying that. They're all saying, do I have to buy how many cases is your minimum now? Okay. And uh, they're working with me. And uh, it's been an absolute, uh, you know, I, I tell people I'm giddy every time I get an order now because <laughs> one, I don't have to do the logistics end of it anymore. And two, just that, you know, these are customers that are staying with me and they're supporting me. And yeah, you know, what a what a great excitement! You know, they've been there through the big times, and now as as we kind of downsize, they're they're there as well, which is pretty exciting. And that's a testament to the character and the that you and the and the principles you brought to your business, Mike. That wouldn't have happened if you didn't have those great qualities otherwise. And I'm I predict, and you know, I've said this to you, you know, on uh, just privately that I believe this is going to be probably the best thing that happens to you business-wise because it's going to free you up and it's going to give you your, your ability to focus on building the business is going to be laser focused. Now you won't, you, you won't mean, have- you mean I don't have to sweep the warehouse anymore and I don't have to make sure that the driver got back and I don't have to make sure that, yeah, it's, it's yeah, the, a huge. Yeah. The, the truck huge. got fueled up the night before and the driver shows up at the right yeah. time and you beat traffic. Yeah. How many times, you know, have you gone through all that aggravation? So I go through that. I, it's been so nice driving to work and I hear the traffic now and they said, there's an accident on the 405. And I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's not my problem. Right. You not know? your truck. It's, uh, it's yeah. huge. It's yeah. huge. And I don't have to think it was my truck that was in the accident. Um, so, I mean, uh, for me, yes, it's been, uh, it's going to free up my time and and it's what I do well. I like talking to the customers. I like being on the phone. I like engaging with them. And uh, you can't do all that when you're there, you know, five o'clock in the morning and your driver doesn't show up. And then you're the one out in the truck driving, you know, rather than sitting behind the desk talking to your customers. Um, so, yeah, it's worked out. It's uh, I've been very fortunate. I'm very grateful it's happened. It's all made me who I am today. It's another brick in the wall. Another brick in the wall. We should make a song like that. They should. Mike, thanks for being on Small BizCast. I'm going to have how people can get a hold of you. It'll be on the show notes. You make me want to be a better businessman. Oh, well, you know what they say. It takes one to know one. (laughs) Mike, you've been my friend for all these years, and I've always learned from you, and I'm always inspired by you, and I so appreciate you telling your story here on Small BizCast. Thanks for being on the show. Follow us on our socials for business tidbits and special offers. Thanks again for our sponsors, the Miller Haga Law Group and Mercury Document Imaging. And remember to support Fit for the Cause. And of course, thanks to my producer, Chaz Volk of Mr. Thrive Media. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for listening. Hot dog. It's a wonderful life.